0: hear what we say Naomi is forward action she hears that the Lord has visited people she and so she decides to go forth to where that spot is even though she doesn't know how it's going to turn out even though things have been bad thus far she is taking the action of walking of turning of trying something What if that's actually what faith looks like? That it's not feeling like, I'm so trustworthy that everything's gonna turn out. God's always got my back. But it's more like, I'm gonna walk it. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna move. Like she's action oriented with some real honest language about things not turning out, but that I I wanna give her credit for like, that's sort of giving us this glimpse of the inner world while she's still taking forward action. And what is it to do it anyway, to do it scared, to do it cynical, to do it yeah. mad.
1: And she kind of names like, if I had hope, like she doesn't have
2: hope, Where but she's going that? back.
1: Like she, well, cause like she says, um, oh yeah, she does use the word hope. She uses Tikva and like saying like, if I had it, <laughs> but like. Like, it actually, it, I, it's actually a curious thing for me to think about of, like, God, what if she didn't hope for anything going back? <laughs> like,
0: she's just going back. And what if that's enough? What if it's enough just to make the turn and walk?
1: Hard here, hard there. I'll take that
3: hard. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Searching the Sacred. This is episode three of our season starting the book of Ruth. We are in the middle of chapter one and we're going to wrap up chapter one by the end of this episode, believe it or not. So thanks again for joining us on this journey through the book of Ruth. If you would like to get our companion discussion guide that goes with this, you can do that by becoming a patron of this podcast by going to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and Search Searching the Sacred, and for a dollar a month or more, you can become a patron and get the discussion guide that goes with each of these episodes. Thanks so much for listening to Searching the Sacred. Verse
0: 14, then, in response to that sort of, I don't have hope, they all lift up their voices and weep, all of them. Orpa kisses her mother in law, but Ruth cleaves to her, clings. It's like the man the language for a marriage, like cleaving. Like she's like, uh-uh, going nowhere. Um, and you said something to say. I want to return to what you've been saying about Orpa and at this moment.
3: Yeah, do we don't there's, there? there's no shame in this moment. You know, I mean then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Like there's no, there's no negativity in any of that. It's, there's just choice and then movement. And we don't know what happens in Orpah's story. We don't know if she thrived or if she survived. We we we, we can, we just don't know. Um, we wanna trust that the living presence was with her as as Naomi gave her that blessing um and that she was safe and she found safety and you know um but we do we don't know, but we what we what we do know is that she was not making a bad choice and doing the wrong thing um and I think so often when people in our lives do something a little bit different than we would do it, we can often you know, have those shaming thoughts or that judgment. But that's sometimes the path they need to walk is different from ours and we have to allow that to happen and trust that the character that they have shown will go with them and the the kindness and the said that they that they are will will stay with them. So I don't know. I think I think it's that's one of the hardest things to do is to let somebody go. But sometimes that's the best thing we can do.
0: And and she calls them back to that language of mother's house and verses um 11 and 12, she keeps calling them her daughters. And so there it does seem to be this choice of like, do you want me to be your mother? Like you can stay with this mother's house or you can go, but maybe Orpah had something better to return to than Ruth had. And we can say, okay, like if her mother's house is a good house. Maybe that's maybe that's all right, and maybe Ruth maybe Ruth also came from a good house, but like really loves Naomi, or maybe her what she's leaving is worse than than what it would be to go with Naomi, and so she's staying with Naomi and choosing this mother, and that that all belongs. There's a path. There's a path for it.
3: So we just concluded the first part of this story where Naomi has choice about what decisions she's going to make now that her husband and sons are gone. She has her two daughters-in-law who she is responsible for. She gives them the autonomy to return to their mother's house to seek the security of that house and possible future marriage. Or to stay with her, even though she sees that as a hopeless endeavor. And we see the two daughters-in-law, Orpa and Ruth, make different decisions without judgment and without shame. We see Orpah kiss her mother-in-law goodbye and return to her mother's house, presumably. And we see Ruth clinging to Naomi as she is prepared to go with her. And so as we kind of move into this next iteration of the story. Um, Steph, why don't you kind of give us a little insight on what takes place next and where our conversation will be going here.
0: I I think it makes sense as we're talking about this journey to actually just go ahead and fast forward to where they get to Bethlehem. But note, this is like one of the several places in the study where we're going to skip spots, even as we do um, a book. And there's something sort of, Healthy about that, so that we're all aware we are not exhausting the Book of Ruth, even though we spent like forever on on half of verse one. (laughs) That's not even the end of verse one. Like we don't finish studies, we don't finish the conversation, we don't finish having insights. We just get to have the discussion for today, which might be different than the discussion for tomorrow. And it feels like as we're talking about all of this, like the choice that Naomi is giving, the way that she's giving chesed um and what it is for Ruth to cling to her that it makes sense to just see then what happens when she and Ruth return and especially as we also talked about Naomi like not having that feeling of hope but taking that forward action to sort of look at what happens when she returns to Bethlehem and so um that is verses 19 through 22 um should we maybe Lisa would you read those again would you be our reader sure thing um, when Naomi
1: saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. The two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest.
2: First of all, we sort of mentioned this, but it's worth saying again. When they get back to Bethlehem,
0: who's there?
2: People. People People that remember her.
0: People that remember her. So whatever the situation of leaving was, at the point she goes back, there's people that remember her still living there. They see her. They recognize her. And they say, like, oh, is that Naomi? And then she talks to them. What do you hear in what she says? Jason, you said earlier you were intrigued by the name change. What intrigues you about this? I mean that she
3: goes from like what kindness, generosity, like hope there's a very like wonderfully inviting flowery almost name, right? To bitterness, right? <laughs> like um, you know, like m- like the, the Mara uh, you know, means I think and you can probably expand on this more, but it, it you know, one of the ideas is is bitterness. And I mean, it's so telling of maybe how she's viewing what's happened in her life and how she's holding that. But I also couldn't help but just appreciate the honesty of that moment. I mean, like, don't call me that. I'm not that. I'm this. This is who I am. This is what's happened to me. Like, she's not She's not hiding it, which, you know, the, when I read this, I'm like, oh, you know, she's just a curmudgeon. She's all sad and, you know, angry. And she's not very hopeful. But like, that's like actually not what humans do. You know, when I'm s- bitter and angry and frustrated with life, and then I bump into pe- people from like my hometown and they say, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing great. How are you? You know, like I don't actually go, well, actually don't call me Jason anymore. Call me pissed. You know, like that's <laughs> what I actually am about life. You t- call me disgruntled, you know, call me exhausted. You know, whatever it is I'm feeling that day or in, in that season of life. Like, that's not how I would introduce myself to my parents neighbors. You know what I mean? Like, I just wouldn't do that um, because it's just not how I operate. But here she is, goes back, and she's like, I'm not that person. I'm this. This is what's happened to me. And and she doesn't say, like, I lost my husband. I lost my kids. It's the Lord has dealt with me harshly. Like, you know, I mean, she's like, this has not worked out well for me. Mm-hmm. Um
0: She's sort of courageously honest. Like you need to yeah. know that I am not the person you remember. Like this, mm-hmm. there has been a journey over these last 10 plus years. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't look at me and expect the same thing. But also she names that she was full when she left.
1: Yeah, I, if For a person who leaves during the time of famine. Like, that's an interesting naming that I, like, I, like I went away full.
3: Which again, makes it curious about whose decision was it to leave and why. Because it doesn't say that she chose to leave. It says that her husband did. And then as soon as she was given autonomy, you know, when her sons passed away, she went back.
2: Mm So,
3: you know, maybe she was full. Maybe there was a famine, but maybe she was okay. And we don't know what, like, whether that was full from a hunger standpoint or full from a relational standpoint. From a communal standpoint, maybe she was fine with being in the land of bread even during a famine because there was community and kindness there.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really intriguing conversation, this full fullness and emptiness that she's naming, the bitterness that she's naming um, that we need to talk about. And then and then also I want to notice that she's using two names for the Lord here. She's using the Lord, which she's already used with the girls. Um, I hope it's okay that I'm calling Ruth and Naomi or, or Ruth and Orpa girls. <laughs> I'm just new, I've done that a few times. I'm thinking of them as young, but that's maybe revealing a bias. Picture them, however, well, they could be in their 20. 20s. Yeah, but I'm like I'm picturing them probably in a society like this, they're younger, and it helps me to think of them as younger and use the term girls, but that's why I'm doing it. Um so um anyway. But she also uses what my translation is calling, translating as almighty, which is Shaddai or El Shaddai, which um, sometimes, well, it often gets translated as almighty because it's rooting, it's choosing to root in this idea of Shaddad, which is to deal violently or ruin. But there's also a way of rooting El Shaddai in the word breast um which actually goes um quite naturally into one of the times it's used which is this blessing in um Genesis uh 49:25 so i'll just this is joseph is getting blessed by jacob and it's the blessing is may el may el shaddai bless thee with blessings of heaven above and of the deep that lieth under blessings of the breasts and of the womb. And so in that verse in particular, it seems to connect El Shaddai to breasts. Um, That this is something about God, the way that God provides. And that so El Shaddai could be translated the breasted one. And so when we're thinking about Naomi and this fullness and this emptiness and how she's been treated, it's, and all the femininity in chapter one, it is interesting to think of her using this term for God, if she might mean the breasted one, the breasted one has given me bitterness. The breasted one has humbled me. I'm empty. I was full. I am now humble.
1: I mean, if it's, if we're talking about provision and we're talking about provision in a famine, and bread and all the, like, and I mean, if I just stick with like, she went away full and everybody else was left in a famine. I'm not entirely like that actually makes it feel like a little bit. I'm a little bit questionable about why they left. (laughs) Like maybe that was just to take your stuff and go take your ball and go home. Um,
2: I, I,
1: I don't know it's it tracks with the story though like to keep calling attention to the way that god is providing although now all i can think about is the amy grant song so i'll take it it's going to take a minute <laughs> yes. for, that, for that earworm to go away <laughs> well it's
0: just
3: <laughs> um, i couldn't help but think about that song either
0: yeah every everybody who who grew up in that time singing. <laughs> Which oh, is, yeah. but, but to think of this then, to, to, I'm going to translate it instead of transliterate it with me. All right. So I'm going, to, I'm going to say a couple Hebrew words and then I'm going to read again what she's saying. So, so she's using El Shaddai, the breast, I'm going to translate that the breasted one, but she also sell, says very bitterly. So this is Marah um, again, um, but it's paired with the word mayod which in um, Genesis, at the end of Genesis one, when humans are created and all of creation is done, God says it's Tov Mayod, exceedingly good. Mayod is like exceedingly abundantly. And in the beginning that's paired with goodness. She's pairing that with bitterness. Um, And she also talks about um, how, how God has afflicted or, um, humbled her anah, or or sorry that's testified to but afflicted uh dealt evilly e- evil like not tov <laughs> good there's tov good and ra'a evil that the almighty has given evil so um we're gonna parse through this again i'm gonna say it again call me not naomi but mara um the breasted one has brought intense
2: bitterness to me I
0: went out full, but the living presence caused me to return empty. The living presence humbled me and the breasted one dealt evil to me. So if the breasted one is giving exceeding bitterness and evil, if I am in that place and my name used to be pleasant and now I'm saying call me bitter, like how am I seeing God? How am I seeing myself? What kind of pain am I naming to these witnesses?
2: I mean, it's a complete 180. From being
3: in the house of bread to now being everything's awful. There's no goodness here. Exceedingly bitter, exceedingly judged, exceeding Pain, you know, and it's at the hands of the the one who should have been providing. At the one who is supposed to be present.
2: Um. Yeah, it's a complete one eighty.
0: It's not just feeling like the living, like when we think about these two names for God, the the one that we say Yahweh is translating this idea of presence. That's why we off, I often say living presence that comes from Rabbi Nahum Ward Love's translation of this name of God, but it's using the verb to be in this imperfect tense of God's presence with us. God was what he, God was what they were and are what they are. And, you know, am I am that I am kind of thing, but that, that idea that what that is really saying is presence. So she's using like the presence has brought me home empty. The presence has um, has testified against me. El Shaddai, the provision of God, that mothering, nurturing of God, has given me something. But instead of good milk, has given me exceeding bitterness. Instead of good milk, has given me
2: evil.
1: Like what? What is it? Well, it's just an honest reflection. I just feel like Naomi's actually very honest about how it has felt to lose her husband, to lose her sons, to have to like navigate like the whole... Yeah, like that is... That's just what that stuff feels like.
2: That's just an honest... And,
3: And we don't... We don't even know how much of that I mean, she's obviously blaming that on the living presence and on the breasted one. And and it seems like her, her, she's directing that at God, but I mean, none of this has been under her control, right? None of it. And like, clearly she's saying like it was under God's control or that it should have been, and that that hasn't come through for her. Um, But she's definitely not saying like, yeah, we really jacked up the Moabite decision, you know, like we shouldn't have done that. Like, I mean, it's none of this was her doing and it's, she's purely a victim to these circumstances.
1: Well, also she doesn't get like, she does not get smote for
0: saying
2: what is real. Yeah. I feel,
0: And, and not only does she not get smote, If you look at verse 22 or chapter two, verse one, what is she called? Back to Naomi. So we, she is naming in this moment of deep, honest lament, call me Mara. Like you shouldn't call me Naomi anymore. Nobody actually starts calling her Mara. She's not renamed Mara. She keeps being called Naomi. The rest of the text So whatever this is, isn't an actual renaming, isn't actually something that becomes her identity. It's just raw. She's not smote and she's not stuck being labeled as Mara for the rest of her life. She is seen
2: in the pain of what it is to return after all this. And she doesn't act like it either mm-hmm.
3: you know i mean she doesn't just become hopeless and despairing she she holds out that it's almost like she she like sees what ruth is doing and like puts her trust in in that you know like i, I think there's a phrase um like holding on to hope. Um and like sometimes you can hear like I've heard people say like I'll hold on to hope when you can't hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And and so like just just like kind of stay connected to me. Like I know you can't have have any hope, but stay connected to me. I'll hold on to the hope that you can't and let's just keep moving. And like you kind of get that picture of like Naomi is like I'm i I'm bitter I'm done. The Lord is just not done anything, anything to help me out. And yet I still got Ruth and I'm, I'm going to let her hope be my hope. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't claim it for my own right now.
1: I don't even know if it's as much hope as it is that Ruth just bears witness to who Naomi is. Like in some, I just find, like, I just think about um, oftentimes when, uh, working with people in grief and through grief and who are walking with grief, it is not so much that we <laughs> offer hope or how to stay connected to God or how to do, like, there isn't a lot actually that we get to say or do. It's that it sometimes just needs a witness to it. You need somebody to just see. And I wonder if actually, like, that's just like, Ruth doesn't have any words in this like Naomi's homecoming is about Naomi and Naomi naming what's real to her people and I just think maybe Ruth is there to like she'll be the witness Mm -hmm. and how powerful it is to have witnesses that don't
0: offer all the other things that just I see you Mm -hmm. and and Naomi's really being witnessed by the whole community at this point too. Like that's back, back to sort of the courage that we're talking about with this is like, um, what I'm thinking about is the connection between this and Genesis or excuse me, Exodus 15, because we think we tend to think bitterness is all bad and wrong. But there's something to pausing in bitterness with people who know or can see. So what happens coming out of the Egypt, like they have all the plagues, they cross the sea. It feels like, I mean, it could feel like a moment of victory. Okay, we're finally where God wants us to be. But the first thing they experience, the people experience in the wilderness is bitter waters. Um, And there's... This moment, then, here, where the first thing that Naomi expresses when she gets back to her people is the bitterness she's experienced. And what is it to just be honest about that and to bear witness to one another? Like in Exodus, the people are sort of bearing witness to one another's bitterness of 400 years of slavery (laughs) is one way to read that story of the bitter waters. And here for Ruth to bear witness to Naomi's bitterness, for the people of Bethlehem to bear witness to the bitterness and say, like, we need to pause and see that before we keep moving forward. Like it's not. We don't need to hide it. We don't need to. It it belongs in the story. Also, I
1: feel like you're also giving the people a lot of generosity. Because I'm also like, maybe they just didn't care. And they're like, you're still Naomi. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're not going to call you bitter. That's weird. (laughs) Like, I feel like people struggle. Like, a lot of people struggle with grief. Mm -hmm. Like, when somebody said, like, get over it. Get back to who you were. Mm -hmm. Like, I miss you being happy. I miss you being this. I want you to be this. I want all the, like, in some ways, like, I I mean, maybe it's an idyllic community that, like, uh, uh, receives that, affirms it, and, like, is, like, we still see you as, you are still a delight to us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I also know, like, I feel like my lived experience of how people receive people who are grief-stricken and bitter is not...
0: Oh, you can be
2: that. Mm
0: -hmm. And maybe there's even like this, this plays with what you were pointing out with full. Like, I'm curious how the townspeople saw her, because another possible interpretation of this idea of going away full that I don't think we hit on for verse one's interpretations is what if the famine that's in the land isn't actually affecting Elimelech? What if he, as a wealthy landowner, is fine and he leaves? So that he doesn't have to share his resources with those who are suffering. What that's if the the leave? Take my ball and go home. Yeah, leave that, that right. You stepping. said the take my ball and go home energy. <laughs> like, what if he left with resources so that he wouldn't have to give them away and share them? And that's why Naomi is naming. I went away full. And what if the people then are like, Yeah, but you left. Like, we're still a little mad about that. Like, yeah, maybe we'll see you in your pain, but can you also see what we went through when you left? Like, there could be tension in this moment about that whole thing. Right. Right. It might just take a minute for everybody to work out
1: all the feelings of like, yeah, you did do that, but also you did lose your husband. Like you did come back empty. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, you did.
2: I'm I'm struggling with like so we're reading her characterization of her own experience
3: and I'm she's the same person that a short while ago was able to notice the stead of her daughters-in-law and bless them and and give them autonomy so although she's experienced being, you know, removed from the land of bread and into into Moab, she's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. In that moment, she was still able to recognize Hasid. Now she's basically like 180. It's all awful. And like, I get that that's grief. Like, I, I, I would say, yeah, 100%. But also like, she was still the person that could recognize Hasid. So she's not dead inside, right? She's not gone. And so
2: the person that can point out has said,
3: shouldn't have the name Naomi, not the name Mara. Like that, that is, so maybe not the people of the town or, you know, Bethlehem or whatever should, you know, I don't know what they want to call her, but, but Ruth is going to call her Naomi. Mm-hmm. because that's who she's been and and so i i like the idea of their relationship being more than what she just got done saying to the people mm-hmm. that their relationship is actually still has uh the breasted one mm-hmm. still has the living presence still has her said like mm-hmm you know you know and what we cuz and and I love Lisa that you pointed out that like it's not that we just tell people to get over it or it's all going to be fine or you know but like we witness it and we're present to it because what we also don't have is Ruth saying you know Naomi come on it's okay we're going to be fine like let's do this like we just get Ruth living with her mother-in-law
2: mm-hmm. and
3: saying i'm going to go glean from this field yeah go, go. you know like we don't get any judgment from Ruth ever towards her mother-in-law.
1: Hmm. Well, I, really, was, <laughs> I was going to say, it really allows, I think, I feel like this actually allows for a lot of the humanity, like just yeah. our, like our humanness of like complexity of like, we're not all good. We're not all evil. <laughs> right. But also we have a propensity for all of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like what one person can experience me, like it's, I think about um, how difficult it is to come home to your people. Like in some ways that requires some of that bitterness and the honesty and the naming of the things, because like, they're a more complicated bunch than, than like what, what Ruth knows of Naomi is different than what these group of people know of Naomi. Mm -hmm. And so how, yeah, I just, I, I found it to be true in my life. There are people who are not fond of me. And then there are people who like me a lot. And in a lot of times it's from the same situations, <laughs> right? Like we have yeah. these experiences. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, there's oh, there's just a lot of
2: ways to be in this story.
3: I love that you point out the complexity piece because I think that's the tendency with any biblical story is to oversimplify situations and people and to not allow them to be complex. Um, And I think that is such an important component. Um, And because we have a tendency to to oversimplify people, right? And typically the people that don't like us have oversimplified us, right? I mean, um, sometimes they're accurate, (laughs) but sometimes it's because they've, they've put us in a box and, they don't allow us to grow. They don't allow us to be different. They don't allow us to have a different opinion once in a while, you know, like it's um, yeah. And, 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 and I think humans are way more complex um, and should be, you know, Um, you know, and I, and I think it also, this story, it, it speaks to me of i think so often especially in the western world the materialness of the world of the world um where as long as we're not dying poor marginalized like as long as like it's all up until the right then there must be blessing there must be goodness there must be hased and it's like our our material life is an is a it shows what we have internally. And I don't think that's actually accurate to being human because the most, some of the most generous people on the planet are the poorest people. Some mm-hmm. of the people that live with the the most appreciation for life are the ones dying of a disease. Sometimes the, I mean, we, we just know this, like you don't have to have it all in order to experience the fullness of what life actually has to offer. And I think this story of Naomi and Ruth is a story about complexity and how they're like, she's able to see her said when she's lost everything, mm-hmm. she's being honest about losing everything. And yet her daughter-in-law is still going to call her Naomi because she can like, I just think it's so complex because it, that's the way life is. And I love that you're pointing that out for us, Lisa. And I think, it, I I just, I don't know. I think it's so true.
0: Well, and I, I love, I feel like that brings us to a name that we haven't talked about yet, which is Ruth's name. So, um, Ruth is often translated friend, companion, female friend, um, Which sounds really simple, but if we let it be complex, if we let Ruth be a deep, complex character, we can see its rooting in Ra'a, which means to pasture, tend, graze, or feed. And it is the word for the verb at the root, is also the verb at the root of the word shepherd. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so here in this place where Naomi is seeing the bitterness of God. I wonder about just pairing that with Psalm 23 and saying, if the Lord is my shepherd, like what if Ruth is the, is like the embodiment of that presence of the Lord with Naomi, when she can't see the Lord's presence with her. And what if Ruth is her shepherd in this time where he's a shepherd?
1: What if she's not so empty?
0: Mm, Yeah. What if, what if Ruth, what if, yeah, say more, Lisa. Well, like,
1: I mean, her experience is of feeling empty, but she's actually come away. Like, if Ruth is more like the Lord's presence in Naomi's life, what a gift to have the Lord's presence in your life. Even, yeah, right. you know, it's not what you expected. Certainly, certainly not what she was taught that that's where you would find it. But, like, that's not empty. Mm-mm.
2: She might feel empty. Mm hmm. She's not empty. Mm-mm. What is it to see
0: the provision that's in our lives when it's not what we thought it would be? When it's not who we thought it would be? How can we be honest about the pain mm-hmm. while also having eyes to see the love? It feels like it's that That stupid
1: thing of like, you almost have to say the thing that is so extreme in the grief and the mourning and the bitterness,
2: in order for somebody to go, "Ah, hey,
1: love you here." Right? Like it's almost like you have to say the whole like if you're in if you're in the spaces of like toxic positivity for ourselves. Like I can be toxically positive for myself it's great. Look at all the good things you have in your life and all these things and all the things and all these things. Like sometimes you do have to, like, sometimes you do have to do that.
2: It's the worst. I got nothing. What's the point? Mm -hmm. To like, almost encourage you to like, search for it or even maybe just have it revealed to you. Mm -hmm. Like maybe
1: Naomi didn't realize she said the thing she said. Like, we get to realize it, but like, she didn't realize what it, she didn't realize that when she named, I see, said and you,
2: that that actually meant that the living presence is right there mm-hmm. and like, and like chose to go with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. You know, I just preached a sermon recently on ask and you shall receive, you know. And, Search and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. And, you know, God is the giver of good gifts, you know, all that, like Matthew chapter seven, Sermon on the Mount thing. And it's such an awkward passage to preach on when you know there are people sick with stage four cancer. You know, there are people who have experienced the downturn of the economy. You know, there are people who have been marginalized because of their sexuality or gender. You know, like it's such a. Cause it's not always true, right? Like in the way that we might think it is. Cause we don't always find, we don't always receive. We don't always have a door opened. And, and yet I don't not believe that passage. Like I actually do believe that passage and I believe it like we're talking about with Naomi and Ruth. That's how I believe it. I don't believe it in the sense that Naomi is going to, you know have a living husband and have two boys that resurrect from the dead and everybody is like happy go lucky and they are flourishing in the land of bread again i don't believe that but what i do believe is that the living presence was with her and that there was something happening that was good now it doesn't mean there's not grief it doesn't mean that there's not pain but there's more to the story than just the loss. there's <sighs> There's Ruth.
0: There's, oh, what a, what a, that feels like a good place to land at the end of chapter one. There is more to the story than just the loss. There's also Ruth.
3: Well, everyone that wraps up episode three of this beginning series on the book of Ruth. We're so excited that you're on this journey with us. Again, become a patron of the podcast if you want to get the discussion guide. And we will see you next week for episode four, where we're diving into chapter two.